Hello, I'm Bill DeLuise, and this is the Wiley Society Podcast. In this episode, we're going to continue our conversation with Chris Graff, Wiley's new Director of Research Integrity and Publishing Ethics. Last time, we heard about some of the new technologies that are being developed to help editors and peer reviewers assess whether research is ready for publication. And in the second half of my conversation with Chris, we talked a bit more about the ultimate goals of peer review and what role authors, editors, and publishers can play in supporting research integrity and ethics. Let's pick things up with Chris. We left off talking about the fact that while different subject area communities may have different needs when it comes to peer review, they also share an important common goal, reproducibility. So, you know, thinking about that, it's impossible not to register that something that crosses those segments of the research community that you're talking about is the desire for reproducibility in research. It's a huge theme in STM publishing, certainly. Can you talk a little bit about research, uh, about research reproducibility uh, in the context of publishing ethics? The term reproducibility means, funnily enough, different things to different people. But there are two parts to it. There's, one is doing the whole experiment again yourself, and one is looking at the data and running the code and coming up with the same answers yourself. And those two things get kind of talked about in parallel. Um, what we're really talking about here is the reliability of the work, whether there is enough information inherent in what is published to enable another researcher to do either of those two things, right? To either run the, run the analysis again and come up with the same results or to start again and do the whole experiment again. And I think that's, that's what reproducibility means. Um, so in terms of publishing, I think the way that we can address the reproducibility question is by encouraging um, the researchers who publish work in our journals to publish as complete and as transparent a report of what they did and how they did it as they possibly can. And that means, well, that means lots of things, but it means methods, largely, um, making sure that the methods section in their paper is as long as it needs to be, and includes specific information about the reagents or the code or the, you know, the technical um, ingredients, if you like, their research recipe. They're making sure that those are described in a, as accurate and specific a way as possible. And there are things that you can do there. So there are things called um, RRIDs, um, which are unique identifiers, a bit like every article has a unique identifier, for the reagents used in any experiment. And there's a great push coming out of the neurosciences to, um, I believe, to, to use RRIDs as often as possible in research methodology. So that's one thing, transparency about how the, how, the, how the research was done, right? Then there's data, which overlaps into data publishing and making sure or encouraging authors to make available, not necessarily in the journal, probably, probably not in the journal, probably in a data repository, but to make available their data and the source code for how they analyzed it and so on so that others can run the code again and see the work that they've done. Um, so those are two things that will, I think, intuitively, I think, um, will help to improve how 
easy it is for others to reproduce the work of any researcher. Um, we are at the beginning of a journey here. Thinking in research reproducibility is in its early days, and not everybody is ready to travel that road at the same speed as everybody else. So the neuroscience communities are really into it, and they're um, embracing data publishing and all of the things that we've just talked about in a big way. Others, others are less sure about that path. I think our job as publishers, and I've said this before, is to walk that path with each of the communities at the speed that they want to walk at. All right? We want to help get there, but we recognise that people want to travel at different speeds. Chris, you also, in addition to your role at Wiley, you also serve as co-chair to COPE, the Committee on Publishing Ethics. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, industry-wide COPE is supporting these and, and other major initiatives? So I became co-chair of COPE only a week ago, after 10 years of working with COPE as a volunteer, I have to say. Um, and I shared a position with a wonderful editor um, called Jerry Pearson. And COPE's role is to promote integrity in research and its publication. And we do that by providing loads of resources, most of which, nearly all of which, are free and accessible on the COPE website. And they include um, statements on best practice. They include flowcharts, so that when you're presented with an awkward situation as an editor or indeed as a, uh, somebody working in an institution, you can work your way through an investigation in a logical stepwise fashion. Um, we also have a, a database of um, real cases, right? Real cases that editors have brought to COPE and have asked members of COPE for advice on. They're all anonymous. Um, and many of them include follow-up and the outcomes of those particular cases. And there are, well, more than 550 of them. So I would bet that anybody who has a concern right now um, could find <laughs> could find a record of a very similar case in the case database online. That's great. And we'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Chris Craft, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been really a pleasure. You're most welcome. Thank you very much indeed. Chris is right. The COPE database is a great resource. We hope you'll explore COPE and other topics we covered with Chris by checking out the links in the show notes. Research reproducibility is a big topic in the scientific and scholarly community right now, and we'll continue to bring you more perspectives on supporting research integrity and ethics in future episodes. In the meantime, that's it for us today. Our theme music was provided by Jason Shaw and editing by Dennis Velasco. The show's producer is Anna Ayler. Our editorial advisory group includes Alexa Dugan, David Nicholson, Sarah Phibbs, Mark Robertson, and Nielsen Turner. You can find previous episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing to the Wiley Society podcast in iTunes. You can also sign up for our mailing list to learn more about what's happening at Wiley and other news and trends in research publishing by going to exchanges.wiley.com societies. Thanks for listening.